everybody, the economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you are not already a The Athletic subscriber for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Energy, Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. Fresh off the bridge. It's good to be, it's good. It's, you know, I'm starting to like it up there. I'm starting to like, uh, a little crowd's growing, but I'm starting to like it. Shout out to all those that came out. I love it up there. I, I've, I've gone to every, I've, I've not been on the platform yet. I've done every practice up on the bridge. And it is interesting the the difference you get uh, on the weekends, far less traffic behind you, but more foot traffic. A lot of people coming to watch today. Not so many people up there watching, but uh, lots of annoying trucks and trains rolling by behind us. That's the only bad part. It's a little loud up there, but uh, the, the, you can't beat the view. It's so much better than down on the platform. I, uh, I It was always a story about back in the day at Spinney Field, back in the bad 90s days, when there would be like a bus of kids that would drive by and roll their windows down and yell, you suck. And, and Mike offering something to the effect of like, even the kids think we suck, you know, it still exists today. Like there's still, you know, once every 15 minutes, somebody wants to yell something out the window about how they suck or, or who day or whatever. It's like, there's just, People just there's just no driving over the bridge without some sort of comment. I I, I enjoy that. People are into it. It is fun. It's it's <laughs> it it runs the gamut. I mean, you hear we had the guy a couple weeks ago saying the Bengals were going to the playoffs to today saying they suck. Everybody, I guess they feel like you see people watching practice and they they, they want to know what you think. Yeah. Uh and we're going to tell you what they, what we think. We got a lot to get to. A lot has happened even since the growler. Um, including a very, very tight Bengals growler bet decision between Jay and I, um, after which our scrimmage was, it was on the completion percentage in the scrimmage by Joe Burrow, which was on Friday. Uh, so we're going to tell you how that turned out. And, uh, you may know already by now, cause there's a, t- we have a ton of coverage up from this weekend. Uh, a lot has happened down there over the last three or four days. Uh, Bengals had the scrimmage on Friday. They had the off day on Saturday. And then Sunday and Monday were in full pads both days. A lot of action. Tuesday, off day. And then they'll be back um, in full pads starting again on Wednesday, leading to Sunday's second scrimmage. And that'll kind of be the last hurrah um, of camp until they move into kind of prep for their opener against the Chargers on the 13th. Um, but a lot has happened. So we want to get to that. Hopefully you, you've gone into the athletic and checked it out, uh, because we have a ton of stuff up there from all these that have gone down. We want to talk a lot about Joe Burrow because, um, choo choo, (laughs) (laughs) the hype train has left the station and, uh, everybody is, is, you know, on board as we kind of learn more about who he is already. Um, we're going to get into that. We're going to offer some of our favorite plays from him. Uh, then we're going to get into our best and worst of the first, really the first full week plus 
uh, of of practices down there with the off day on Tuesday. It's a nice break point for us to assess what we've seen overall. So we're going to give you some of our best and worst trends, players, things that that we each have. Um, John Ross, we're going to bring you some John Ross conversation. Uh, you're going to hear from him. He was really, really good. He's back now. His The good news is his son and son's mother are both doing fine. Uh, after they both tested positive for COVID-19, he left the team to go back to be with them as returned. Um, but he talked about that process. And, and I wrote a column a little bit about how what – not only how refreshing his the way he went he went about this and discussed it with us was, but also uh, what it actually might mean for his football career. And I think it's kind of an interesting uh, connection between the two that you might not think of. So that column is up. We're also going to bring you the Ross audio and talk about that. Carlos Dunlap, some very, very um, provocative things to say uh, in regards to um, – really not just the Black Lives Matter movement, um, but in the Bengals' response and really issued a challenge to the front office uh, with us on a conference call today. So we want to give you some of that audio and talk a little bit about um, how upfront that was, (laughs) Uh, really going right after the top of the building a little bit. So um, we're going to talk about that. Uh, A couple run passer boots for you. So a lot to get to, as always. Let's start with Joe Burrow. My entry point for the latest Joe Burrow conversation because we always have to find some new entry point because to because we can't you know it's hard not to talk about it it's it's the thing always every day favorite Joe Burrow play of the last three days which included some very action packed days of full pads play eleven on eleven and then obviously the scrimmage on Friday Jay do you have a favorite play Yeah I do I think it might be the same as yours but it, it came today. Uh, we thought the practice was over and they, they ran the guys back out there and they did a two minute drill and it ended, it was down in distance. They, they did it like a, a regular game scenario. It ended with a fourth and six play. Um, I don't have my notes right here. It was, I want to say it was about the 35 yard line. Um, so it would have, you don't know what, what the scenario was in terms of what they told the players of what the score is would have been a long field goal. So there was still time on the clock. There was 26 seconds on the clock, fourth and six, and Joe Burrow drops back and doesn't go for the sticks. He goes for it all and drops just a an incredible pass to Auden Tate, who got behind Darius Phillips. Jesse Bates, the safety, was a little late getting over. It couldn't have been a better pass. It was it was a walk-off touchdown in terms of what the, the first-team offense did. Uh, it was just not just the throw itself, but the, the decision to go for it there. And C.J. Uzama on a Zoom today even kind of talked about that, that he just – when you talk to these guys, a lot of times when you, you ask veterans about the rookies coming in and they just kind of, you know, give the platitudes and the typical cliche speak. And that's not going on with Joe Burrow. He, every single player loves talking about this guy and loves what he has brought to this, not just this offense, this entire team. And uh, that was just another example of it today. It was the, the gutsy decision, the perfect throw, and just the the great way to to end the practice with that walk off touchdown. It's hard to argue against that, uh, <laughs> as <laughs> because I do think in a lot of ways it encapsulates what we have seen from Burrow, and to me, what has stuck out about Burrow, which is his fearlessness 
in big mo- big spots and you know you mentioned CJ and CJ talked about how in you know yeah it was stud it wasn't full tackle but you know this is a real game for us this is the last run of having to hear about it from the defense for a day and a half and you know he talks about Burrow getting in the huddle at the beginning of that and saying a lot of things that he didn't even want to repeat to all of us about how Burrow was getting everybody fired up at how they're going to go down there and score and this being a big deal and to get stuck into a fourth and six, and I checked my notes to the 27, um, and to drop back and see that window, that is not a that was not a big window throw. Darius Phillips had really nice coverages. He did a lot on uh, Tuesday, by the way. And Jesse Bates was on his way over quick. You know, people know Jesse Bates. He can range. Burrow dropped it in the only spot it could go. Auden Tate with a little dive to go get it and slide into the end zone. On fourth and six from the 27 with the day hanging in the balance, there's there's just a fearlessness of the position that you have to have, even in this scrimmage environment. Yeah, we're talking about practice. I hear you, Alan. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Talk about practice. Right. I hear it. But this is what we have on this guy right now. This is what we're judging on. And this is how he's having to win over his teammates before they do play a real game. The guts it takes to do that is just what wins people over. It's how you win over your teammates. It's how he did it at LSU. And it's how he's doing it here now is by making people believe he'll go win it for you. That's what that is. It may be a drill. It may be a two-minute drill, which it was. A minute 30 they put on the clock. But it's making everyone believe this dude will go win it for you and isn't afraid to go try to win it for you. That means something when you're trying to win over a locker room, even if it's just in an 11-on-11 drill at the end of a practice for two minutes. That's It's hard to argue against that play, but I'll try. I'll try because uh, there's others. A lot. There's a – you know, you go, you go back to the scrimmage. Um, The first – he has he, – he goes – Six for six for 69 yards and a touchdown pass on the opening drive, including a third and 14 sideline pass to Tate where he had to pull them out of multiple false starts on the drive. I mean, and then they get all the way down to the bottom and, you know, right along the goal line and he quick, he gets everybody quickly to the line, gets under, drops back and throws the fade to Tate because he saw what they had over top touchdown that, I mean, that feeling for the game, for the pace to charge the line, get it. I got what I want under, and then throw the pinpoint shot, and Auden Tate goes up top. And, you know, we've seen his response uh, to mistakes, and, you know, we saw that again on the second touchdown pass, which you can talk about. Is He, he has his first incompletion. He misses C.J. Uzama, goes down quickly, and just throws another absolute perfect fade pass to Tate for the second touchdown over top of LaShawn Sims. The response stuff to me has made for some of the best Joe Burrow plays and moments because whenever you feel like you've seen him make a mistake has been when you've really seen some of his best moments. Yeah, the, well, the the third and 14 is what I had as my backup, my second favorite play because that, that, that play – he had Andrew Brown and Carlos Dunlap in his face. And yes, he knows he's not going to get hit, but we all know what Carlos's wingspan is. He had to throw over him and 
he threw that ball off his back foot and put it in a perfect spot for Auden Tate along the sideline. The, the big knock on Joe Burrow was arm strength. You don't make that throw. It was third and 14 and he didn't hit it right at the stick. It was a, it was probably about a 20 yard pass. You don't make that throw off your back foot without having a pretty strong arm. It was just the, the poise of the entire drive overcoming the false starts. And then that play right there was, was one of the most impressive ones. Um, you touched on the, his response. One of the things that stuck out to me today leading up to that fourth and six touchdown to Auden Tate was the, not the response, but the, the preparation. CJ Uzama talked about how Joe got them fired up in the huddle and, and said they were going to go down and score. He also said this, this whole day was about checks. They, they ran a couple of drills where they never even huddled. They just went to the line, saw what the defense was in. And then Joe and Ryan Finley did this too. When the twos were out there, they would check into what they thought the right play should be. When they were in that huddle before the two minute drill, CJ Uzama said, Joe Burrow said, okay, they're going to do this, this, and this. And we're going to check to this, this, and this. He didn't even have to see him lined up. He, he's, he's think it's like chess. He's thinking three or four plays ahead, anticipating what he's going to get from the defense and already getting these guys getting their head straight on what what the check's going to be and it's just for a rookie quarterback to do that is is just it's it's so incredibly impressive and that's what everybody said that was the the best thing about Andy Dalton's game was his recognition and his ability to to check out of a bad play into a good one um that took some time to develop uh now this is you're right it's still practice but but Joe Burrow doing that already as a rookie quarterback with no OTAs with basically one and a half, two weeks of practice under his belt. It's just, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And you know, he's got to see other teams throwing him disguised craziness, uh, live that he's not familiar with and different personnel. And that's going to take, that's going to be the next levels of adjustment for him. Um, but you know, really so much of this is about making your team believe in you. And like I said earlier, I feel like that has been the biggest accomplishment, um, of what he has done during this process is I think he's made believers out of everybody. I really do. And I, and I don't, and I don't think that is, um, you know, everyone wants to say great things about Joe Burrow right now. It's easy to do, uh, because it's practice and everyone's trying to pump him up. Everybody thinks they're about to see the number one pick and he's so special when you watch him play. So you want to say these great things. I, I, I didn't, I tried to come in not being that way and try to really assess it realistically but you can see how he has won over his teammates like you you can see it on the field I don't need to hear it from anybody you can see it and you know what he has created is 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 I think is that belief and and really you know the other throw I wanted to mention um was one because I think it really encapsulates a lot it was it was after he missed a deep ball to Alex Erickson uh, in the scrimmage towards the end, and you could tell he was mad at himself. He underthrew it. Erickson had about three steps up the middle for a post that would have gone for a walk-in score, a run-in score. Comes back next play, timing drop, and hits Drew Sample up the seam on an absolute dime where Sample, who, by the way, is having himself a nice camp thus far, Hits it, gets, hits it in stride and is really going running. 
and can really get run after the catch. It ends up being a 42-yard completion up the seam. And it's just the immediate response, not letting the last throw get to you, even though it bothered to you, and then making up for it on the next play. Uh, that's, a, that's a favorite of mine, too. Yeah, I, I remember that play as well. He, and he, he's just had so many of them. I mean, really, we could have done a top 10 list of Joe Burrow's yeah. best plays so far through the one week of camp. There, there have been that many of them. He's had mistakes. He's underthrown some balls. He's had some, I mean, he had at one point, he's literally trying to wave Auden Tate back to throw back deep across his body, and it's nearly picked. He, he's had picks. He's had a couple balls batted down that ended up in interceptions. You know, there's a lot of learning that's happening out there, too, but there's also a whole lot of completing footballs <laughs> and a whole lot of uh, making plays. And really, you come back to the last one we saw, fourth and six, man, right on the right on the money, a big a big throw to Auden Tate. So, I hope that gives people a good snapshot of what we're kind of seeing from Joe Burrow down there. It's what everybody wants to know. It's what everybody wants to see, and that's kind of uh, where it's at. But we, you know, we I, I don't want to inundate everybody. We pe- there are other players on the team like there, so I feel like we do need to make sure we keep it moving uh, and talk about other stuff before we do. I want to talk to people about Manscaped. Has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Oh, yeah. The premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light. Working in the dark like that, that's dangerous. I guess, you. hey, if you're going to be in the dark, you need the light for sure. I don't recommend that, though. But it's made with the advanced skin-safe technology, introduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. Uh, you need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. It's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code THEATHLETIC20 from the moose to the caboose. Always use the right tools for the job. Oh, boy. All right. Let's let's t- go forward. And the next thing I want to do... Um, is I want to talk a little bit about John Ross. I mentioned it earlier um, about the situation with John, where he went, he left really right before the the uh, practices started to open. Pretty much most of camp, uh, the real practices, left uh, because his son, who's three, and his son's mother uh, had tested positive for COVID nineteen. He immediately took off and went back to take care of them. Just returned on Sunday. Uh, so he missed about a little more than a week of practice, and um, he met with us, discussed that, and, and, and you know John is a fascinating guy. He has always been very, very open, honest, transparent uh, with us. Sometimes a little too much felt like we were sitting on the psychiatrist's couch with him over the years, but he's been through a lot here. Um, I thought this was a really interesting conversation for a guy who is at a very critical point mentally. Um, in his career that will affect whether he stays here or how he plays this year and, and in a bit a potentially big role for this team. So I want to just bring you kind of this in almost in totality here. It's about 10 minutes uh, with John Ross. When we come back, we'll discuss it, and we'll get into our three best and our three worst trends that we uh, feel like we've seen through the first week of Bengals camp. So here is Bengals wide receiver John Ross. Hey, John. First and foremost, how's uh, your son doing? They're doing good. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. They're doing much better. Yeah. Um, how did it feel for you to get back out of practice today? Do you feel like out of shape? Did it take you a little while to get in the swing of things? I know you're a limited participant. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, 
I wouldn't say that I was out of shape, but I definitely, you know, I can feel it. You know, when you're not playing football for a long time and you get back to doing, um, you know, football-related activities, it's, it's a big difference. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to simulate, you know, football, you know, actions when you're just running and just conditioning. John, how helpless of a feeling was that knowing you're that far away from your son and something like this just pops up? I was, it's, it's, it feels, you know, pretty bad. Um, I will say that, um, but they're, they're, they're all good now, you know, um, so that's kind of the most important thing. When did you get back to town? On Thursday morning, I believe. Yeah, Thursday morning. John, you had to string together uh, like what three, three, three negative tests or something, right? Just, to, just to get back in. Yeah, yeah. So I had to test in California, then I tested as soon as I got back, and um, tested three times when I got back. Also, so you know that's what I. That's just the protocol I had to go through just to get back into the building. Right. Now you had to take care of your son, right? You were actually taking care of him, so that must have been also stressful as well. I mean, I would imagine. Uh, when it comes to my son, um, I will say I, it definitely wasn't stressful. Um, yeah. Just because it doesn't matter. I, I was willing to risk anything. It didn't matter. None of that mattered to me. Uh, just to see him get well. You know? So that was the most important part to me. Um, you know, the stressful part was me having to wear a mask. Um, you know, not being able to hold him, not being able to kiss him, let him know that I'm here for him. Kind of. You know, that was kind of the, the the thing for me. The physical, um, not being able, to, you know, to physically touch him and things like that. And I mean, and obviously you weren't going to leave until he was okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How old is he, John? He's three. He just turned three in May. Do you think there's enough time between now and the start of the season for you to kind of get back in the rhythm of things, get on the same page with Joe and the offense that, um, yeah, you did miss some period of time, but this has been such a goofy offseason anyway. Is there enough time to, to kind of get back in the swing? Almost definitely. I think uh, we got a lot of good throws in, a lot of good, you know, timing things um, before I left. You know, and I feel like I was only really gone um, for, what, four days. Um, I think it was a week, but, you know, Given if I was here anyway, I would have missed Saturday. We had an off day, so it's only like four days. But I got some good throws and some good time with him before I left. And you worked a little with Joe, didn't you out in California? Some did you do that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he was out there throwing with some of the um, some of the receivers and things like that. And I worked. You guys know I work with TJ, and you know um, they brought me out there, and um, he just happened to be throwing, and you know we got some good throws out there too. Was that just for a, a day or, or two, or was it how long was that? I think that? it was about three or four times uh, we, we got to work out. Um, but it was never like, you know, I, I it was never really scheduled or anything. It was like hey, Joe's throwing out here, you know, if he's potentially going to be your quarterback, go, go and throw with him. You know, so I just took the opportunity and took advantage of it. I, I know it's I know it's probably small potatoes considering everything that was going on. Were you able to find any time to work out at all over the last week, or is that just <laughs> – yeah, yeah. So that was the tough part the first couple of days because I just didn't want to leave their sides at all. Um, that was the biggest thing. But, you know, once they started feeling a little bit better, I started to, you know, sneak out and I had to run at two in the morning. And, you know, and I know that sounds kind of like a lie, like, you know, it's like a, a fairy tale story. But, you know, that's what I had to do. And um, if I had to do that just to stay in shape, then that was what I was going to do. Um, so it was times where like two nights I had to, you know, get up and wait till they go to sleep and get up at 1030 at night or two in the morning and go run just to go run, you know, just to, you know, keep myself in a little bit of shape and, and things like that. <clears throat> Where'd Where you, you go? That? Just at a park. It's just at a park near, near um, our home. Yeah. <laughs> they let you in at two in the morning or it was any, anybody being suspicious of what was going on out there? No, it was someone in their car and I was like, see, I shouldn't be out here. But, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, I always believe in, you know, I, I feel like if I'm always positive and, you know, I, I move the right way and, 
you know, I don't, I don't believe in negativity around me. So, you know, I usually try to, you know, if that, if that person gets out their car, I speak to them and, you know, be cool <laughs> just cause I don't know what people's going through, you know? So I just try to make sure everything's cool. You got to figure you can outrun most of a any <laughs> human being, I guess. Right. That too. So, you know, I always bank on myself. So, <laughs> John, John, what did you learn about yourself as a, as a father during during all of this, and kind of how, what what did you gain the most during this whole process? I didn't. I, I don't. I don't think I learned anything. I I would have done this. There, there's like I would have. I didn't even think about it. I'll say that there was there was no thought behind it. There was there was no chance of me staying. You know, with all due respect to anything, I'm a father first. That's one thing I um I, I learned. I, I love my son, and I would do anything for my son, no matter what the case may be. So when that happened, it was like. I got to go home. The only decision I was making was whether I was going to let them know before I got my flight because, I, you know, it's kind of unprofessional. So I didn't do that. I went to I made sure I talked to my agent. I talked to the coaches. We talked to everybody upstairs, um, you know, and just the response that I got from the coaches, it, 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 it puts me in a different headspace. Like it was it was really very respectful. And I appreciate how they went about it and, you know, um, how much they were there for me. So yeah, just how, how anxious are you to pick up where you left off last year? And and you think it's about time that the football gods owed you a healthy season? Right, right. Um, I always think about that, um, but I also think it's it's a hundred percent on me. Um, you know, the more I take care of my body, the better I feel. You know, and I notice that. You know, it, it it it's okay to take two hours out of your day to you know do some some self improvement. You know, like to work on your body and do some things that, you know, like I, I met a lot of good people this all season and I learned a lot of things about my body just from, you know, being with a chiropractor, being with some, some PC guys back in California and my city in Long Beach. Um, you know, so now I do some of those things and, and they help me going forward. So now I, I feel a lot better, you know, um, through the days where I'm, when I'm working out than how I used to feel. And I'm a lot smarter. I will say that. I know nothing can approach the frustration of having to deal with an ill child but there's some of the guys were saying when they saw you come back here, it's the best they've seen you. It's the, it's, it's, it's the best. I mean, you look, you know, out of this world, how frustrating was it to have to kind of, you know, walk away for a week? Telling you it's my son. It was not frustrating at all. Yeah. And um, I mean, I get it. And I'm like, man, I, I, I do got something going for myself. I feel really good, but that all goes out the window when it comes to my son, my family, anything that's important to me. Um, don't get me wrong. My job is very important to me, but I feel like my job is always going to be here, you know? Um, so the most important thing for me is to make sure my family was right. And then I was going to, I was going to come back and be that same guy, how I left off, you know, it's, it's all in my head. It's all in how hard I work and you know, how, how well I prepare myself, you know, and I was ready to get back to like, like now I'm ready to get back to where I am. I ran routes today. I felt like I, I, I looked good. I felt good. I think I'm going to progress really well. We got a lot of time still. You know, John, obviously they didn't pick up your uh, your fifth-year option in the offseason. I mean, what kind of chip does that put on your shoulder, and how much did that affect your workouts knowing that the Bengals declined to do that uh, this year? Man, when you sit down and you really think about it, um, it, it really doesn't matter, you know, because either way it goes, if they would have picked up the option, right, and say I didn't have a good season, it's not on my mind, but say I didn't have a good season, it ain't trade me or I get released or anything. That's kind of the biggest thing. So it's, it's almost the same thing. Regardless, I still have to come in with the same mentality as if they did pick it up. I have to come in and want to be better for myself and want to help this offense win games. So is that at first, I will say this, like being young and not understanding and I have a great agent, in my opinion. He, he explained it to me. And I was like, wow, there was no way for me to be in my feelings, you know. So I got out of my feelings and I, I understood what, what uh, I need to be doing this season. And is for one, I need to play all 16 games. I need to stay healthy and I need to I need to make plays in every single game, you know, and 
it, it's on me to do that, you know. So it's, it's not it's thinking about it. I wouldn't have picked up my option either. It 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 guarantees injury. You know, you know, if you get hurt, I've been injured every single year, you know, so it, that's not a bad decision by them, you know, and now it's on me to, you know, show them why I, I should be here longer. So that's how I look at it. Hey, guys, just a couple more for John. We got to get him out of here. On that. Hey John, did you watch LSU's playoff games last year? And if so, what did you think as you were watching your future quarterback take those defenses apart? It was hard to look at it like that because, you know, you just never know. But um that was definitely the biggest story. Every time you're watching the games, it's like, like Joe Burrow has 300 yards, <laughs> 12 completions at halftime, you know, four or five touchdowns. And these are playoff games, you know, and it's like, that's crazy, you know. Um, and just getting to work out with him in California before he was drafted and to see him now, it's like, it, it's good to see how how well he, he, he works the offense and how good he is, you know. So, it's, of course, it's definitely exciting. John, what do you feel best about your game? I mean, you think right now after – you know, four years in and having a really good off season. What do you feel? What makes you feel the best about what you got going? Uh, just man, picking up where I left off in college. Like I, I didn't feel bad in college. Uh, right now, I don't feel bad at all. And mentally, I feel like this is the most confident I've ever been. You know, and I think that was kind of the biggest thing with me when I was thinking about all the other things that really didn't have nothing to do with what I should be doing for four quarters. You know. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for me, just just having my confidence back and 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 understanding how talented I actually am and believing in myself. Uh, you know, great to hear from John. I, people uh, that might you know, if you're not close enough to it, you you don't know. You know, that's kind of a lot of the way John has always been. He's always been very just open about how he's feeling about stuff. He's he's what we all as reporters and as fans ask of these guys to be. Be open. Be yourself. Don't be afraid to say how you really feel. And we want to know, right? And often that has backfired on him. He it, Things he has said and done have been held against him. And you understand, this is why athletes don't want to be like that. Because they, they do act like that. And sometimes it gets pulled back against him. Because Ross has become a very polarizing guy. A lot of it because of what's happened on the field, injury, whatever. I, I took a lot of very positive developments not just on the stuff with his son and his son's mother but on where he's at mentally and his headspace that he's at going into this season after that conversation that I think he's in a much better place um and more well positioned to really be a big time contributor for this team than I probably previously anticipated before that combo yeah I mean one of I mean of all the good things he said in there one of my favorite lines of his uh, it goes back to what you said about him being honest. I don't know how many other players would have said this, but when uh, I can't remember who it was that asked him about not getting his fifth year option picked up, and he said, "I wouldn't have picked it up either. I've been hurt. I haven't produced." It's, I mean, he, it, that's just who he is, and and he is so honest. But just it's just all of it. Talking, you know, asked about how difficult that decision was. Um, you're, you've got a new quarterback you're trying to get in sync with. You're, you're playing for a contract. You're playing for everything, really. And how tough was that decision to leave and go home and, and be with your family? He said, not at all. He, he didn't give it a second thought. Family comes first. Um, he, he got on a plane and he went home and he, he did what you would think most fathers, most men would do. But it just, the, it is so refreshing to, to hear a guy speak so openly and honestly about those types of things. And it's, it's, it's hard not to root for a guy like that. 
Yeah, I feel like one thing that has haunted John during his time here has been he just thinks too much. He's in his own head. He doesn't act instinctively, whether it's on the field with his just raw athleticism that's almost unparalleled in this league as far as speed goes, or just or in the way he feels about himself off the field. We wrote I wrote last year about how Zach Taylor started trying to build confidence in John Rossman. There was trade rumors early in the season, and he came out, and he was really – Killing it. I mean, he was leading the league in receiving through a few weeks, and and there was a confidence about him that, that didn't quite come back after he had he missed whatever eight weeks or whatever with injury, and you doubt yourself again. But you know, I I think what you can sense, and certainly, obviously, in this decision, which is a whole secondary thing, but in the way he's talking about his approach to the season, the confidence he has in himself, you know, the confidence to act in certain ways about understanding his own priorities and who he is as a person and who he is on the field and what he needs to be this year. It's, it's decisive. It's, it's, it, it, there's not a there's not thinking and all kinds of being in your head about it as much as you might listen to that and say he sounded pretty in his head. I, I I thought yeah he's being open, but I didn't think he sounded confused about where he's at. And I think that's important. And I think it will be important to him this season. We'll see what that role looks like. There's obviously going to be plenty of opportunity. He's got uh, a week plus to build some chemistry with Joe Burrow that he's already been building with others, but. I feel pretty good about where John Ross is at um, after hearing that. Um, yeah, speaking of that chemistry, I, I think we we saw where that is lacking today. Uh, they they had some one on one drills, and I remember at least two plays where John Ross completely dusted the guy covering him, and Joe Burrow underthrew him. And it's just a matter of you know he's been gone for a week, and it's Joe Burrow has to get used to John Ross's speed. It's different. It's it's he's one of the fastest guys in the NFL and that those are the kind of little things that that get lost with with him being gone for a week but it it shouldn't take too much longer for those guys to to get synced back up. John did a little bit of 11s and 7s today but it was most of his work was was in those one-on-one drills where they were just throwing him, you know, double moves and nine routes and he was just blowing by guys and you know maybe that was the point of that Part of, part of part of it was to stretch him out some. Uh, part of it was for him and Joe Burrow to get on the the same page on those deep balls because you you have to figure you're probably going to see quite a few of those once the season starts. There is no doubt. Um, that's a good lead into some of our best and worst of the first week of camp. Um, I want to dive into some of the other things that we have seen. Uh, I'll, I'll just start. Let's start on the positive. Let's try to be positive here right off the jump. Uh, Jay, what do you have for some of you, one of your best of the first week? Yeah, I didn't rank these in order, but I'm going to start with a guy that you already mentioned, and it's Drew Sample. Um, a lot of criticism on him last year just because of where he was drafted, uh, taking a tight end in the second round, a, a blocking tight end who, who didn't have very many, didn't have much in the way of receiving numbers at the University of Washington. It, it seemed like he was on the wrong side of the fan base from the get go last year, uh, had a rough start to the season, started getting better. And then he had the ankle injury that ended his season. And then you wrote about the, the off season workouts that he did with, with Sam Hubbard and Patrick Coyne and then Joe Burrow joining him at the end. And he's just a totally different guy this year. Um, I wrote about him yesterday when the three ups from the tra- the camp observations, he had one on one pass blocking drills with Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard and Carlos Dunlap and went three and oh, beat them all. Um, he's just 
it's not just what he's doing in the blocking game, but the the pass you mentioned that forty two catch. He's he's making plays on offense. He's he. I think he's the 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 biggest surprise I would say so far of camp, and and because of that, he has to be among the 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 best. If if we're gonna each pick three, he's he's right there in my list of three top su- surprises or most positive things so far in camp. I, I totally agree, and uh, you know, there is there's certainly an element of you know people people wanted to hate that pick, and people still are gonna criticize that pick. Um, but to me, it doesn't change the fact that they invested in that pick at that high of a point because they see the value in what that position and a player they think that has sample skill set can be. And that's why his, you know, potential step in year two is a big deal because obviously they see a lot of importance on that role that maybe a lot of other people don't, maybe rightfully so, uh, particularly a team that played a whole lot of 11 last year. And how often are you really going to see CJ Uzama under sample out there together? But uh, I agree with you. I think that's a, a massive one. I'm going to kind of cheat. I know we're supposed to not be really talking about Joe Burrow in this, but it's really hard not to. I think the Burrow-Tate connection has been the defining element of this camp thus far. All the big moments. I mean, we... You heard us talk about earlier. So many of the big moments have been about these two forming this ridiculous connection. I mean, he's had so. We talked about Boyd early on. It was Burrow and Boyd. Man, they had something immediately. You could sense it. You could feel it. I mean, you could watch it. Really doing a nice job of finding each other and understanding where they're at. This is another level from that. I mean, what they. It's, it's looked like an unstoppable weapon when you talk about a guy with pinpoint accuracy like Joe Burrow and a guy with a radius that can go to where no one else can go like Auden Tate, they figure out how to use both of their strength to each other, put it in a place where only Auden Tate can go get it. And Auden Tate goes and gets it. You know, Joe's realizing what that means. And we've seen it over and over and over and over again, particularly in these critical spots. Like we just mentioned fourth and six, you know, He's a guy that we're all kind of wondering, what's that third, who's that third receiver, right? Um, you know, is it going to be T. Higgins? I think it was kind of an assumption it would be T. Higgins. Um, I don't see how it's not Tate at this point. I mean, when you when you look at the connection that they're showing over and over again, like it's got to be A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and Auden Tate out there as your first three, especially with Higgins missing some time. And he's a young pup who's going to be trying to learn. Tate knows the system. You could be a little more comfortable in his decision-making out there. You can work Higgins in in other ways. It's got to be Tate. Like I think that has turned into their primary offensive weapon now, partially because A.J. Green's not out there yet. And T. Higgins hadn't been out there yet, but to me, that's a that was a big deal. I, I think that's been a, a huge up. Yeah, and especially if you're talking running plays, who who better to be out there blocking on the edge than than that guy? I mean, Auden Tate's he's a beast out there. They, just his size alone, he's he's going to be an asset in the running game. I for one of my other positives, I I had I was trying to I didn't want to say all receivers because AJ has missed a week and John Ross missed time and T Higgins missed time there. There, I didn't want to lump that whole group in. So then I was trying to decide, okay, which of these guys and I had Tate and I had Alex Erickson, who's been just ridiculously impressive. But then I'm like, well, you know what? It has gone to another level with Tate, but since he got here, every mini camp, every training camp, 
he has done this. He is, he has wowed us in practice. So I didn't feel, even though he's kind of gone to the next level with Joe Burrow, I, I, I kind of d- took him out of the mix. I'm taking Alex Erickson out of the mix too, because all that guy does is make plays. This shouldn't be a surprise either. He's doing what he always does when he gets an opportunity. So I, I'm going with Mike Thomas there because when they signed him, I just thought it was kind of a, eh. Just adding a a depth piece to the room, a guy that Zach is familiar with from their days with the Rams. Um, That guy's really been impressive. He he had a a play today where he just ran right past the defense and Joe Burrow hit him in stride for a long touchdown. Um, He he's a guy that I I think can be in that mix for the number three receiver, too, between Higgins and Tate. Um, And he's he's new here. He's he's only had a couple outside of the virtual offseason he's only had a couple weeks on the field in this offense and he's already making plays every single practice so i i I went with him after drew sample i've got mike thomas as one of my other most positive um, outcomes or not outcomes but developments in camp so far yeah I'll, i'll go for that um i'll add in for me um i'm gonna say the edge rushers um Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard, Carlos Dunlap. I'm going to group those together. Uh, I'm even going to throw Khalid Cream in there, who had, in his first kind of debut, had some pretty nice uh, one-on-one work on the side um, against whether it was you know Bobby Hart or uh, Fred Johnson, whoever. I, he, he came out like, hey, I'm ready to go and prove myself and, and look pretty good in some early one-on-one stuff. But really, I mean, I feel like I do this every year. Like People who listen to me must get so sick of this. <laughs> Carl Lawson is just destroyer of souls in practice. Like he really is. And now granted, a lot of that is the same stuff he does in games. He's had trouble finishing a lot of his stuff that he does ends up setting up others. We saw that the second half of all of last year in particular, when he came back fully healthy, boy, he is just a beast. He is the one guy I want nothing to do with. If I'm out there as a tackle, I would rather go against Hubbard or Dunlap all day then have to continue to go up against Carl Lawson. Watching Lawson and Jonah Williams going against each other has been fascinating, and Lawson has had his fair share of wins, to be sure. Um, he's just been he's just been great. Um, and, and Carlos Dunlap has had a very nice camp, a very disruptive camp. He's had pass breakups, had a, one that led to an interception. He's been in the backfield a bunch. You know, for a guy who takes a lot of heat, for not often be a practice hard guy, um, certainly looks like he's been doing it pretty well. This camp and Sam Hubbard has been him saying his same self. He's always seems like he's in the quarterback's face. I just think those guys, I think, with that rotation, have proven that they can be really disruptive. And when you add in a middle that you invested in and you have a, your lone pro bowler, uh, in you know, you've got him and Daniels and you have Gino, you have Reader, uh, you know, you can see how that thing could really come together. I think that was a great development. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I my third one was it wasn't edge rushers; it was pass pass rush in totality because Reader has been getting back there, and Geno's been Geno, and Andrew Brown has has made his share yeah. of plays. Uh, they 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 put him on the edge, but he's mostly playing inside at tackle. He's in the backfield a lot, and then they've they've blitzed the linebackers some too, and and a lot of times and safety blitzes, a lot of times whenever they dial up those blitz, those guys are getting there. Now this is this is sounding like a, a huge indictment on the offensive line, um, but it it had the the entire pass rush as a whole has has probably been 
the most impressive thing defensively, and that's why I had them on my list of three as well. All right, let's get negative. Uh, let's 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 go. Um, I'll start it off with this. I'm gonna guess without us having talked about this beforehand, trying to keep it fresh. AJ Green standing on the side is probably amongst those three. It is. How and can it's, it not? It, it's negative. Um, I think it, the question is how concerning is it? And it didn't seem like it at first, but here we are a week after the fact when he left practice and there's, there is a precedence here. How many times last year did they tell us that it wasn't that serious and he never ended up playing a snap? And part of that was AJ making a business decision, but still to, to have this crop up already first practice that we're allowed to watch. Um, he goes out again um, and he was on the rehab field today. He was, he was running and kind of loosening up that hamstring, but just the fact that he is not out there is, is definitely one of the negatives. If you want to say concerning, I, I, I'm still, I still think we're eons away from what last year was. I don't, I don't think this is going to devolve or, you know, fall into that kind of, that, that same just week after week. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play thing? But not having him out there getting reps with Joe Burrow is definitely on that negative side. Yeah, I mean, we've said as far as concern level, I wouldn't be so concerned. I, him showing up on the rehab field today was a big deal because it's starting to it started to be a little concerning how long he was just standing there watching and not doing anything. Like all the other guys working their way back or over there on the side doing stuff. So that was a big deal for me to see him out there on the side on Tuesday. Uh, actually going kind of full speed a little bit, running out there, had the catapult uh, vest on to track how fast he was going and all that stuff. So, you know, I think that is a good thing. But, you know, the same way we're talking about the chemistry between Burrow and Tate, that's something that they have developed. Now, It, you know, we're talking about a week. We're talking about a week and a half, however many practices they've had. So if you can get a week and a half with A.J. Green for Burrow to start to get that going, um, that's still available to you probably. I mean, whether we see when we see A.J. Green come back is sort of you know up for grabs. Let's do it. Let's throw it in there. Run past her boot. Next time we see A.J. Green participate, let's say participate in some – in not just individual – participate in uh, some form of at least at least seven on seven uh when's the next time would that be run pass or boot with this week the week after uh or i guess on game day um i'm gonna say in the week leading up to the chargers game i i still think that who who knows? They don't. They don't practice tomorrow on Tuesday. Um, I, I don't think we're going to see him in the scrimmage on Sunday. So maybe he does position drills uh, this week leading up to that scrimmage, um, and then I don't know. Maybe it's precautionary that the, the following week. But I, I still before we actually see him go full go, I'll, I'll say that run up week to the Chargers game. Um, I'll. I'll I'll pass on next week and I'll boot this week. I just, I can't see the, the, the one thing Zach said when we talked to him the day after the injury is I've seen enough of him to know he's 
good to go for week one. He, yeah. he doesn't feel like he needs needs. It, I mean, it'd be nice to have him out there in practice, but it, it's it's almost like he's viewing it as a luxury and not a need that they they don't have to see AJ Green do teamwork to to feel comfortable throwing him out there week one against the Chargers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I I will I'll run with September thirteenth only for the fact that we won't see practice that week leading up to the Chargers game. We'll only get to see the first 30 minutes and they boot us out after they stretch basically. So I'm going to say that we won't see it. He I think he I do think it does feel a whole lot like the plan is just let's just get him working out on the side and get himself back up to speed and then when it comes to game prep time that you know it's basically ends up being about 9 days that they prep for the Chargers. Um as like a real game week, I think he's back then. I think he comes back for that, and they start working him in in those practices. But we we won't see those necessarily. So, but I and I'll boot this week. I yeah, I, it's they've been too slow and precautionary uh, to think that we're going to see him back this week. That all of a sudden he'd go from one day on the rehab field to like you know trying to run deep posts in the scrimmage on Sunday or something. I I, I certainly don't see that coming. If if it does, then that's a great sign. But I, I it doesn't feel right to me. Um, did you just play a semantics game with me and run past the yes. Because we won't see. Well, I mean, what if that week leading up to the, the opener, uh, we get the injury report and it says he was full go. That counts, right? Even though we didn't actually mm. see. I'm not going to see it. <laughs> I can't. I got no proof. I got no proof. All right, I'm going to need a full reading of rules before every run passer <laughs> boot from now on. <laughs> uh, let's let's go on. Let's let's move on to other of the concerning developments. Um, I'll, I'll let you fire away. Um, I went with the cornerbacks uh, losing Trey Wayne's. Nobody has. I mean, Darius Phillips has had his moments, but he's he's still. I mean, he was the one that got beat today on the fourth and sixth. It was good coverage. Joe Burrow just made a perfect pass that beat him. Um, but beyond that, like that spot is open. There, there should be a competition there and, and nobody has, has stepped up. And it's not just that. Uh, McKenzie Alexander was another one of those big offseason signings and he has not looked very good in the slot. Um, that, that it's, it's at this point now, it's starting to really become concerning. Um, what's going on there now? Will Jackson has has looked pretty good. He's he's in a contract year and he looks like it. Um, but the that, the rest of that group, the, the Lashawn Sims, Winston Rose, Greg Maben, Tory McTire, it's Tony just Brown. Tony Brown. Um, it's it's not been good, and and maybe part of that is how good Joe Burrow's been. But you would you would still expect to see a little bit more from from these guys that are not just playing for roster spots, but there's an open starting spot, and and nobody really has seemed to to step up and and want to take it. Yeah, uh, I I have them on the list too, and I I just kind of have past defense because overall there's a certain point where you praise Joe Burrow, and there's a certain point where you say, man, there's dudes running open all over the place, and yeah, he's making throws, but uh, there's a lot of times where guys are just running themselves open and you know I, I agree Alexander has been a disappointment uh we haven't seen him making enough plays I really thought he'd be more impactful now he's learning a new defense everyone's getting used to each other back there and that's part of this um but yeah it to me that's part of the concern for sure uh run passer boot who is the starting corner opposite William Jackson on opening day Darius Phillips LaShawn Sims or other 
I'm going to run with Darius Phillips just because nobody else has even come close to, to to making a case for that job. And Darius is the one running with the ones right now. And he has looked pretty good. You know, we, we, we've talked before. A guy had four interceptions and 108 snaps last year. He can he's got some ball skills. He's he's a short guy to be playing out there on the edge, but he he gets it done a lot of times. He's not perfect. He, he's not a, a Will Jackson first round pedigree, but it, it just it just feels like the job is his and nobody is doing anything to take it from him. Um, I'll pass on LaShawn Sims just because he's got history in this league um, more so than Darius. He's 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 in that same boat. He's he's some some days he is he plays well and other days it's like, Ugh, I don't know about this guy. Uh, and then I'll boot other just because I no one in that group, even Mackenzie Alexander, when Waynes went down, Zach Taylor talked about he's really good in the slot. It didn't even seem like they considered moving him outside. Uh, and none of those other the Winston Roses, the Tony Browns, those none of those guys uh, are even close to sniffing a starting job. Yeah, Rose has had moments at least, um, yes. but for the most part, yeah, you're you're right. It has not been great. You know, they've been running Lashawn some with the ones. They've kind of give tried to give him a chance here some days, and the fact that they've been doing that makes me wonder if maybe he does end up being the guy. Um, I'm with you though. I think you have to run with Phillips, but again, part of Darius Phillips being the start on opening day is him getting healthy to opening day. We'll see if he can do that through camp. He's he's you know been a guy that's been dinged up a lot of his career and that's going to be part of who he is as a little guy trying to play out there um the same way we talk about john ross in that respect and even more so with darius who's asked to do be a lot more physical as a defender so um that's part of it too but yeah i, I will say darius and then uh roma sims and boot other two um all right one last on the downside i you know there's been really no competition at right tackle and that's I don't like that. Like I, I, it's been disappointing to me. I don't feel like they have really tried to give Fred Johnson any kind of chance at right tackle. It's been it's Bobby Hart's job. Bobby Hart's getting all the reps with the ones, and there's really no situation where they're giving Fred a chance to go in there. Today we saw a little more rotation in some of these different drills, but everybody was moving. At one point, Michael Jordan was at right tackle. Uh, so. I don't get the sense that they view Fred Johnson as a real option at right tackle, and that's disappointing to me. Yeah, I had offensive line depth and then specifically Fred Johnson because he it it is concerning not just what we thought would be the case, but what we saw last year. I mean, Fred Johnson really played well in those last two games, and you really felt like this was going to be an open con- competition, and it hasn't been. And you can kind of see why, because he he hasn't looked great when he's been in there as yep. the, the second team tackle. He gets beat a lot. He gets beat a lot more than than Bobby Hart does uh, going against lesser guys. Um, but it's just it's that entire offensive line depth. It's, we knew offensive line was going to be a question mark on this team this year anyhow. But shoo, if, if one of those guys gets hurt, ee, it, it's <laughs> it's really going to be a problem because nobody has looked solid at all on that, on that second team. And yeah, they, they have been moving them around. Um, we, we saw Fred at guard today and tackle, uh, Billy Price has played center and guard on the second team. Um, they're, they're moving all those pieces around trying to see who fits best and, and giving, letting guys show off the versatility. But again, it's, it's not like the, the first team has been great, but if, if one of those guys goes down, it, it's going to be a big concern. 
Yeah, and so that kind of that kind of wraps us up with our three up and and three down. Um, so you know, a lo- another week to go as we mentioned, and then we'll have practices uh, starting again on Wednesday with pads. That all leads up to Sunday's scrimmage, and after that, things kind of uh, go on lockdown a little bit more, and it'll be just the run up to uh, the opener. So uh, we're, we're getting we're getting closer, folks. We're getting closer. All right, Jay. Before we move on, let's hear from one of today's sponsors, Directv. Bengals, Chargers, and the over. Mike Mike Williams for the Chargers, by the way, came down with an injury. Keep an eye on that. He may not be playing in the opener. Does look like Tyrod Taylor probably going to be the starter for the Chargers in that one. Uh, they're not really talking much about Justin Herbert uh, being the starter and giving him a chance. So we won't see a battle of rookie quarterbacks. Uh, probably Tyrod Taylor opening up that one. That We'll have plenty of time to get into that. We're also going to be doing some AFC North preview stuff. We're going to talk a little bit with our good friends at Football Outsiders coming up on the Growler, so we hope you all check that out. Um, before we head out, I want to I want to talk about and, and give you a chance to listen to Carlos Dunlap. Um, Carlos Dunlap sat down and, and had his first meeting with the media uh, today on Tuesday, and you know it, it very quickly shifted into an incident uh, that he had happened to him in Florida while working out um, where he felt that it was a, it was, it was a park ranger, essentially a local police, local authority who was overseeing the park that him and some of his other NFL players were trying to work out. I said there was a group of white players, a group of black players, and then a high school, sound like soccer team somewhere else. And that uh, everybody was asked to leave the field except for the, the white players and talked about how this incident really affected him. And it transitioned um, into conversation where it comes down to his feelings about how the Bengals organization, which was one of very notably one of the last uh, to make any sort of statement at all about black lives matter when all the teams were doing that um, about how he felt about the organization's handling of this. And, and it is noteworthy on a number of levels and important on a number of levels. Uh, I, I will let Carlos Dunlap uh, take it from here. So here's Cincinnati Bengals defensive end, Carlos Dunlap. I, I would like for all the higher ups, as you've seen with Nike, as you've seen with the commissioner, as you've seen with certain organizations, they, they, made it well known where they stand with what's going on in America. And they acknowledge seeing um, what's going on in America is not right. And they want to be a part of the solution. So they not only spoke about it, they put, you know, action in place. And I think if everyone does that, that will have the long-term effect because um, I don't think there's a bigger organization than, um, you know, the Bengals in this community that could have, um, I mean, Obviously, the Bengals, FC Cincy, and the Reds are the biggest, you know, um, guys in this community. So if you get them collectively to speak up about seeing what's going on and acknowledging that it's not okay and that they want to change, then I think change will happen. So, you know, I mean, obviously very, very important stuff from Carlos. And there was, there's more to it. Um, you know, it was, it was almost 20 minutes long. Uh, but that, that was a really a, a big part of the crux of the beginning of it. Uh, you know, the thing about this is 
that struck me beyond the bigger picture, which is a, a whole other discussion and, and a lot to get into there. But I mean, this was really a shot across the bow of Bengals ownership to, or a challenge basically put to them to step up and be more vocal and be more active and saying that he doesn't feel like they're taking it seriously enough. And from a guy who's been a core of their team for over a decade now, who they've given multiple contracts to, who is really a pulse of the locker room, uh, that's a serious shot. I mean, it's a serious thing to say. It is. And uh, something for context here, too, is that 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 it's not like Carlos walked into that this interview today saying he was I mean, maybe he he figured he would address it at some point, but it just kind of happened organically where he was asked about what he did to get ready for the offseason. And that led into the being on the field and getting chased off by the police. But you're right. The it, it's not just. Carlos, he's speaking for everybody, not everybody, but he's speaking for a lot of guys on the team because he he talked about it was definitely something the players noticed that it took the Bengals. I looked it up. The the George Floyd incident took place on May 25th. The Bengals didn't release a statement until June 6th. That's two weeks after the fact. Um, that was something the players took note of. And then they had a meeting with Katie and he made it clear that they were not at all satisfied with with what they heard from her in that in that meeting and it's just for him to speak out it you don't typically see that um for a a player to speak out at, at against the front office like that um you you hope that once the the covid situation is gone that he can get that meeting he desires with Mike Brown and they can talk who knows what will come of that but it's it's something that that Definitely, if you're a business, you want cohesion and, and you want the, the players and ownership on the same page. And you don't want this thing bubbling under the surface and, and having that animosity lead to, to something, some sort of blow up down the road. And they should be supportive of change. I mean, it should be something that matters to them and it should be something that they make clear matters to them with their players and, and, and we'll, we'll again, it, it, that's stuff for the players and ownership to figure out. Um, but it is apparent that it is an issue that I think, you know, from a football perspective, but that's what we're going to be here and talk about right now. It is apparent that this, there is a disconnect here between at least some part of the core of this team and, and ownership over this. And, um, Again, we'll we'll keep an eye on what comes of this. They, you know, they have a committee, and they're trying to do social justice initiatives and, and all of that. And and they've talked a little bit about that, um, but we certainly will see uh, how this evolves over time. Um, you, I believe, can watch the entire Carlos Dunlap interview um, if you want to uh, on Bengals.com. Uh, for the for the full thing, we, we try to bring you know in, in interest of time, uh, got you uh, a portion of uh, of that. So, uh, all right. Well, thanks to uh, everybody for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with the Growler, of course, uh, on Thursday, and looking forward to talking a little bit more about what we see as we lead up to the scrimmage, the second scrimmage this weekend, and then the opener right around the corner. So, thanks everybody for listening. We will uh, talk to you next time on here that podcast Growler. Have a good one. Everybody.